welcome to Garage Night, where we are one plate short of a combo platter today. I'm Randall, and I'm joined today by... And I'm Jeff. Uh, I'm Andy. <laughs> by just Andy. Um, but uh, we're soldiering on um, just a couple tonight. Um, but we're still going to hit the uh, the ones and twos and threes. We're going to talk a little bit about uh, what we've been driving and um, see if we can find some some topics and if not we will uh we got a little bit of news that's uh you know right up our alley so uh we'll just kind of get going with it yeah some of us will hit threes we'll see (laughs) i i haven't i haven't missed uh, a gear in the beamer yet (laughs) it is an automatic but i still haven't until the time you do then you have big problems yeah, if I, if that thing misses third, that's a bad day, huh? That's a bad day. That's a bad day. Um, day. Speaking of uh, the five series, I did a little more. Would you call it maintenance? What I did is, um, I'm trying to do little things to kind of just uh, update it and clean it up um, before I uh, uh, break into the, um, the the cooling system and replace the water pump and and that sort of things, which I kind of want to wait till. A little bit deeper into winter for that so what i've been doing is like i bought like a new marker light for the side that'll that'll clean it up but the headlights were foggy to say the least they were kind of yellowed with the uv like they get so instead of getting new headlights because they're you know they they got ballast hids and they got uh projectors and halos those aren't going to be cheap to get you know oh yeah uh, Jeff had told me that he had watched a, a review of a bunch of headlight restoration kits. And I'm like, well, I've tried one before and my dad had tried one recently and, and they just didn't work. Uh, but Jeff swore up and down that, uh, the McGuire's kit, um, works really well. So, okay. Uh, you know, get onto the online services and, and order one up and it comes in and finally I get around to, well, let's, let's do this. Um, so I went out to go start, and of course it rains. So let's take a headlights out. That was surprisingly easy. Um, there were more cables than there were screws. Uh, it basically came out with four um, Allen head screws, uh, and the, the headlight came out. That and seven electrical connectors, I believe, uh, for the bulbs and the ballasts and all that. Um it came out relatively easily um, and I kind of cleaned them up and the, the kit comes in three parts. Uh, first, it's got this plastic activator uh, that you spray on there and you let it, you let it sit. I've already posted this all on uh, the garage night Instagram. If you want to follow along, um, but just the initial spray uh, activates the plastic and, uh, softens up the uh the clear coat on it that pulled all the yellow uh straight out and uh to the surface and basically i was able to rinse that off so if nothing else that's that's a start that's already some success um uh, from there you go on to uh your sanding and it's a wet sanding process uh you start with a 400 up to a thousand up to 1200 grit um, spend about five minutes on each, uh, wet sanding, uh, in the utility sink, uh, you know, circular motion, take your time. Uh, then you move on to, they have a little packet of, let's face it, it's basically swirl remover, uh, um, just polishing compound. Uh, so you, you rub that in with a, with a cloth and all this is supplied. Uh, the only thing I ended up replacing is. Uh, on the last step, you're supposed to use a glove to apply it, uh, and I'll get there, but I ended up using uh, my own pair of gloves instead of uh, the one that came in because it didn't fit like a glove. <laughs> uh, but so when you finish with the polishing compound, uh, they basically just have a lacquer, and it's a, it's a clear coat UV protectant uh, that you pour onto a, onto a, a cloth, and, and you just, you know, you just wipe left and right, nice and slow, and you can tell that you're putting on like a thick uh, coating. 
and it self levels and it took uh, four to six hours for it to cure. And uh, the next morning I went and uh, popped the headlights back in and the, it's apparent how, how good the headlights look. Uh, if I really want to get picky, I can see where, when I applied it, I'll put a little extra pressure on my fingertips instead of just on the whole cloth. I can kind of see that in a couple spots. You got to be real particular. Um, so for 20 bucks and probably an hour of my time, just taking my time, uh, I would, I would recommend if your headlights are in bad shape, um, it did a great job. And actually I have enough supplies left over. All I need to do is get more, uh, sandpaper to have it clean. And there's enough, uh, activator and, uh, clear coat to do a whole nother set, uh, if I really wanted to. So values there, good product. I would recommend the Meguiar's, uh, headlight restoration kit from my personal experience. Nice. Yeah. I saw the pictures that you had sent over. Yeah. They turned out fantastic. It totally kind of wakes the whole front of, front of the car up. Yeah. It was, it was really noticeable. First thing in the morning, I walk out there and I, I just take a look at it. And, uh, you know, even in the, in the wet and the rain, and the cold, uh, it's a completely different car on the front end. Uh, the downside being that now the bumper looks so much worse. <laughs> There's nothing uh, drawing your eye away from uh, where the previous owner uh, bonked something and spiderwebbed the paint real bad. Uh, uh, so yeah, I'm looking at new bumpers and a and a top coat. Um, hopefully next next uh, year, but. This is definitely a, a another step forward in kind of cleaning it up. Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. It's I did that on mine when I got the the black housing on the Mustang, the black housing headlights. It was I want on on the Cobra, the current yeah. one. Yeah, because it had it had chrome lights in it, and that, that just those had to go. I've never liked the chrome lights. Um, yeah, because the for those not in the know, the uh, the uh, SN95 Mustangs, when they went to the, the facelift New Edge in 99, in 99 and 2000, they had, it's the same headlights, but like the inner housing is a reflective chrome. And in 01 to 04, they went to a to a black inner housing, which uh, definitely changes the look of the car. Yes. Yeah. And uh, yours being a uh, 99 Cobra, uh didn't have the black housings from the factory. Yeah, and the the chrome ones just looked kind of kind of chintzy, really. I mean, I I put a set of black housings out there. I'd bought off of like somebody off of Craigslist or another, but they were in rough shape. And I used a kit. It's similar to I wanted to say it with a mother's kit, but I'm not 100. Um, percent This was years ago. I did it on that, and they came out halfway decent, not perfect, but. Um, yeah, it can definitely change the, you know, the whole look of the front end of the car. Yeah. I expected this to be snake oil. Like all the other ones have been, I did a, I did a turtle wax branded kit. Oh boy. Turtle wax is this snake was, oil. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this must've been, it was my Ranger uh, right after I got it. So we're talking 12 years ago oh, yeah. that, I, that I tried and it could have just been my incompetence, but I'd argue that I am equally incompetent now. <laughs> Um, and so it, it didn't really, uh, it didn't work. It was really disappointing, um, on, on that. So I, that's why I never really felt like trying again. And about two years ago, my dad tried on his, cause he has the stock headlights on his Oh six, uh, F three fifty. Nice yellow by now, I assume. Oh yeah. They're, they're getting pretty bad. And you know, those old non projector headlights are not great anyway. Um, I could go on a rant just about headlights <laughs> uh, and and the quality because you know my my Ranger and that 06 King Ranch and uh, the 2010 Escape headlights are all terrible. Just the the standard straightforward bulb goes into a yeah a cap that scatters it back to another reflector that shoots out, and it, it never really works. You put you know, really nice Sylvanias in there or Pia's and it, it's a little bit better. Then you hop in something semi-modern 
whether it's uh, even the five series has projectors for the low beams. Mm-hmm. Uh, the X five has projectors. Uh, the uh, actually the focus, the 2012 focus had really good headlights on mm-hmm. it, but I don't think those were projectors. Um, they definitely weren't HIDs, but they, they actually worked and it has something to do with just the shape. And um, I would say how high it is off the ground, but even the X five is really good. Um, I just feel like headlights are getting there, but they're still not great. I know in, in Europe they have uh, like LED matrix LEDs that will use the cameras on the front of the car yeah. to find oncoming traffic and turn off certain pixels in the headlights to not shine at the driver, but shine everywhere yeah, else. Why can't we have that and here? adapt to that? Uh, we can't have that because DOT regulations state that you cannot have uh, uh, headlights that flash. Yeah. So it's already a gray area to have auto dimming. Yeah. Uh, head headlamps. And ladies and gentlemen, that's why the DOT is worthless. Well, I mean, it's it's just the fact that if you look through, I considered uh, building a, a a custom car at one point uh, before we decided it was not tenable. And so I, I looked through all the regulations for, for DOT and some of it is, is really archaic because they don't call them headlights. They call them lamps as in, in yeah. 1912, when you had literal lamps that were only open at the front and that was your headlights. Um, just government failing to keep up with technology, which good luck. you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's just stuff like that. Um, and, but we're so safety focused here which one of our first episodes we did a a good segment on safety um but we didn't touch much on headlights which is really a a a bigger part of it than people give it credit for for sure have you ever had a headlight go out um like while you were driving uh (laughs) out on country roads many times it's terrifying you realize how like it takes away more than 50 percent of your life oh yeah well especially on um when I had the the Sixer, when I had a questionable brand of HID kit in it that failed me more times than once, yeah, I had multiple times had you know headlights on and off. It was really annoying. Yeah, and then you got to drive around with your brights on as much as you can until you see a car, and you flip them off, and it's just the one. And you're like, I'm gonna die now. Right. <laughs> this is how this is how your car ends up in the ditch. This is how it ends. Not with a bang, but with a crunch. <laughs> with a crunch and a crunch and a crunch and a uh, ow. Yeah, that's that's a little too real. Anyway, <laughs> um, headlight kits are good and worth the effort. Yes. Um, certain kits. Uh, I do wonder about the other ones, but I'm not going to go find out. Oh, this one sucks. Um, other than that, I uh, I finally pulled the carb. We haven't really talked about what we've done on cars you know, in a while. Um, so in the past now I have removed and rebuilt and reinstalled the, uh, single barrel carburetor for the DeSoto. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure if we, uh, had an episode in between, uh, I think right after our last episode was recorded, not even posted, uh, Jeff and I went out and made some video content, um, and uh, while we were trying to get B-roll footage, just cars passing by, uh, just as I passed Jeff, um, the accelerator stops functioning, which is hard to tell on the DeSoto because it doesn't do much to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I noticed that it's really not working now. And I look down and there's there's nothing happening on the dash. Uh, and so I pull off the road and it, it just stopped uh on me and uh so we try and get it try and get it going and just starts puking gasoline uh out of the carburetor it's kind of hard to tell where it's coming from so uh we send jeff off to get a tow strap while he's gone i uh i'm lucky because i still don't have the ignition fixed so i can leave the ignition cranking and walk get out of the car and walk around to the carburetor on the passenger side yeah and it'll just sit there and keep cranking um (laughs) 
which is good for single person troubleshooting sure. of uh, failures. Uh, it's almost like Chrysler knew they were going to fail. <laughs> Chrysler, really? Really? <laughs> and um, so I, I go over there and I'm literally hitting it with. Um, Are you hitting it with a big you know, giant bludgeon? I didn't have much to hit it with. I think I was hitting it with a GoPro mount. That's all I had. You didn't keep your Clarkson um, tool around? Yeah. See, if I would have had the tools with me, it wouldn't have been a problem. Well, now you know. Just like uh, Jeff, you bring, always bring a shovel. Always bring a shovel. It's when funny because he can't always. defend himself today. Ah, oh, well, he can't defend himself. <laughs> um, he's, he's, yeah. I can hear the yelling in my ear right now. I can I can hear his 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 laugh. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm 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 smacking it. I'm hoping it's the float is stuck, um, because it's still uh, puking f- fuel. And of course, because they decide, hey, let's put the uh, carburetor over the exhaust manifold. Um, I I decide to stop because I don't have a fire extinguisher. <laughs> You're probably good. Um, yep. And of course, my impatience uh, gets the better of me about 10 minutes later, still waiting for Jeff. I'm like, let me try one more thing. And uh, and I, 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 I try again, but this time I go over and I hold the throttle wide open. I'm thinking it's either going to really flood or I'll let in enough air to uh, to make up for the, the rich mixture. You know, yeah. that's the idea. And hot dang, if it didn't work. So it starts. I lose my mind. I run over, turn off the uh, a, the starter because it's still trying to go. Um, and it's and then I run back over and I nurse it, and it's it's running. Okay, it's running. Um, Jeff Jeff gets back, uh, um, and we we get the uh, the idle up, um, and we're able to get it to keep keep running. And he escorts me home. Uh, so we decided that probably that dirty da- gas tank, uh, dirt in the fuel lines, <clears throat> and the because the filter for it is more of a uh, glass bowl yeah. that sits below the fuel uh, and has to fill up, and then the fuel gets pushed out of the top of the glass bowl. Um, so any sediment falls down to the bottom, in theory. And there's always been a little bit of sediment every time I empty it, it it always gets a little bit of something down at the bottom. So time for a carb rebuild, right? Yeah. Uh turns out it was it was pretty easy, uh, with a little bit of help from from Jeff over the phone and a uh nice old man on YouTube. Uh I was able to uh rebuild the carb successfully. I didn't overdo it, I didn't try and paint anything. Mm-hmm. Um just de- degreased everything, replaced all the all the stuff that came in the kit that I could, um, put it back on, and uh, battery was dead, of course. So charged that, and the next day I was able to get it to fire um, relatively quickly. Uh, it still has uh, a flooding problem with too much fuel at all. Uh, what we've decided is the way that the float works in there. It's a it's a little tin float uh, with just kind of a V that pushes against uh, a needle on the intake of the fuel line uh, into the carburetor. Uh, so what's supposed to happen is the bowl fills up and that pushes up on the float, makes it float. And that levers the, um, the, the, the V-shaped piece against uh, a needle that floats in the intake and closes off the the fuel. What we think is happening is that the previous owner said that they rebuilt the fuel system, which was nice, but we're suspecting that the fuel regulator that they used or the fuel pump, because I can't find a regulator, that the pump is pushing harder than the float, you see. Mm. So even with the float trying its darndest to keep the valve closed because I checked and there is clearance for the um, for the float to close uh, the valve. We think that it's pushing itself back open somehow, getting around the needle. Um, so we're going to put a fuel regulator on it and we're going to put an inline fuel filter in it. And hopefully that will, uh, I can, 
I can adjust that in and and uh, get it to not not flood on me. So that's that's most of what I've been up to um, as far as working on full size automotive uh, vehicles. Um, any questions about any of that? I don't think so. It's a heck of a lot more than I've done. Well, it's it's also been uh, quite a long time, and you've got uh, you've got a, a new job where you work quite a bit of overtime, which is which is lucky, but that just means you know it's a trade off. Yeah, it's a trade off. Um, yeah, the um, weather's kind of started turning, so the Cobra is kind of committed to the garage for probably the next six months. Um, I put it up on stands and start to taking some things off. Uh, it's going to, it's going to get when I, like I said, whenever I get time too, but, uh, um, start a, you know, a deep detail on it. Um, you know, get it clay barred back down and, um, try to get it looking good again. Needs to happen. Um, I'm tempted to start looking at throwing more boost at it. Cause I was going to do it last year and it didn't happen. So I might do it this winter. Might start collecting parts to actually do it this year. Um, I've got a pulley for the supercharger, but I need the rest of the supporting parts, basically. Um, so I'm going to start accumulating that stuff and then hopefully have that together by springtime and find somebody to tune it for me around springtime. Well, how much, how much are you throwing at it now? You, six, six, eight it's pounds? A, it's like an eight, eight to ten pound pulley that's on it right now. And I've got a pulley to spin at 14 to 16 pounds, which is the what you can max spin that that blower at. And the the bottom end's gonna take that and everything. Oh yeah. Yeah, because it's got it's not the 99 block in it, it's got the terminator set up, so it's got a the iron block, forge crank, forge rods, forge pistons in it and everything. So it should take that just fine. So the what do you what do you need uh for supporting mods? Uh and you seen upgraded 19 pound injectors uh times about six hmm. well i'm really bad at math but i'm gonna say that's well over 100 uh uh pounds i'm um, thinking for what i want to so, do uh i probably need to run 80s um so yeah i need 80 pound injectors i need um i'm probably gonna change the the piping setup on it um that needs to change i need a new blow off valve um so piping like for the like for the blower itself, you need bigger it's a, pipes to bring in more air. The way it's a different blow off, like bypass blow off valve setup that I want to run. I, I'm not a fan of the plastic tube setup on there. It kind of <clears throat> uh, it's a different style. I'm not gonna describe it terribly, so I'm sorry for those who are screaming at me right now. But um, it basically like it gets rid of the like the big ugly plastic pipe that with filter that comes into the front of the blower. Um, and the way it, it's, um, it recirculates and comes off through like a wastegate and it recirculates up through that tube. And I'm, I, it's, I'm just not a fan of it. I don't, there's, there's horsepower benefits of going the other way with running the big, the big red blow off valve on it. Um, so I'm going to look at going that route. Um, I need that. And then I still don't know. The only thing I really don't know what's in that car is what fuel pumps in it, but I'm sure whatever it is, it's not going to be adequate for the amount of boost and horsepower I want to run. So that's going to have to get swapped too. Yeah. There, are you going to get there? There's a popular upgrade for that. That's uh, I believe it's like a, a triple hat, uh, like a GT 40 uh, pump. Is that what you're referring to? I don't know exactly. I have to do, I have to do research because you can run, Single pumps, dual pumps, triple pumps, um, depends on how much um, fuel you, you're going to throw at it and the setup. Because if you do that too, you have to run multiple FPDMs for for each one also. Um, but I, I, ideally, I would like to just run one single pump, one you know big pump. Less to fail for sure. Yeah, that's my thought. But again, I. I haven't done any research on it in years because it hasn't been feasible for a while. So I need to look and see exactly what route I need to go on a fuel pump. But that would pretty much round out what I need. You know, pump injectors, um, blow off valve set up on the front. And like I said, I already have the pulley. And then just find somebody to tune it in the spring. So 
you're running uh eight pounds now roughly roughly yeah and you're gonna you're gonna go up to as much as sixteen. What is that gonna do with your with your power numbers? Where are you sitting now and where are you hoping and expecting to be? Guessing wise, I mean I'd be happy with five fifty. Five the goal is five fifty to six hundred. Um, I think right now I'm sitting at about 450. If I had to guess if it was to, to throw it on a dyno as it is right now with everything I've done to it since I bought it, that's, you know, that's the hope is I'd be happy with 550 to 600. Uh, but you rebuilt the rear suspension and everything since then. So the transmission should take it. The clutch should take it. The rear end should take it. Um, yeah. There's literally there's no weak points left on the car. Do that. Everything has been, you know, once I, once I know what pump is in there and what will and swap it out, I'll there's there'll be no nothing I haven't touched on the car. There shouldn't be any points to really fail. Well, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how that works out then. Yeah, that should be should be fun. I'm looking forward to kind of diving into it whenever I get time here this winter. It'll be nice. Yeah, because winter winter is coming for sure. It's been getting cold. Uh, over here in uh, in Oregon as well. Yeah, we uh, we actually got snow here uh, Monday in the Treasure Valley. It's quite quite nippy the the last week here. Went from high sixties, I think we had seventies a week ago, to down in the twenties and thirties. That's what I appreciate about Idaho is is it goes from summer to winter without much of a uh, yeah middle season. Yeah, it's it's a it's a quick turn kind of, and then boom, you're there. It's not uh, a couple months of false security. No, fall and spring. Every time I've, I've visited, I've never been there in the fall and the spring, even though I've been there a lot in, you know, spring and fall months. It, it never feels like it. When I go in there in October, it's either still in the eighties even, or it's snowing. Right. Uh, so how are you, how are you preparing for the, uh, for, for the snow over there? Um, you, you going to put, uh, winter tires back on the focus. So I never ran them last year. Uh, I got away with not needing them because I was at my other job where I basically drove around our, um, service truck all the time and it had studded tires on it. So I never, I never ended up putting them on last year on the focus. I was basically committed to having that. Uh, I was basically driving around that, and when I wasn't driving that, we had uh, um, the studded snow terrors on the Mazda. Well, I my focus, I ran Nitto Motivos um, for the three seasons, and then I ran uh, Blizzaks uh, in the winter. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, those Blizzaks were really fun tires yeah. on that focus. That focus was it handled pretty well for you know for a commuter car, especially. I was always pleasantly surprised with it. Um, but I bet you that SVT, you put a pair of Blizzaks on, I bet you that thing would would just grab and go wherever it wants to go. Because, I mean, that focus took us through uh, six inches deep of snow. Uh, the town out here uh, southeast of Portland, Clackamas, was just shut down. There were trucks all in ditches, and there was took us two hours to do a half-hour drive just because everything was stopped because of the snow that focused on hills around corners. Uh, when we were able to move never gave me a lick of trouble. I was shocked coming from, you know, a, a truck background. Yeah. Um, I was really impressed with those tires on that light front wheel drive car. I bet you the focus would be a lot of fun. I would assume so. I, I bought a set last year. I want to say they're Yokohama's, I can't remember off the top of my head. They're in the attic. I need to pull them down. Um, but yeah, I never, I never needed them last year. But I'll probably put them on here uh, my next day off. I'm gonna take them down and get those mounted up. Um, and they, they're well. I think I paid like two hundred bucks for them. That's pretty good. Yeah, the uh, they use them. The person I bought them from, they use them on like a a minivan or something for like one season. They're hardly even worn. Um. So one thing I remember about winter tires is they uh, they talk a lot about um, that it's not just for when the snow shows up, but uh, somewhere around, I think it's like 37 degrees or so, um, a lot of 
standard rubber in tires um, gets really firmed up really hard as, as it does. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the point where winter tires, especially studless ones, really start to shine. Yeah, uh, is in those not, cold they don't temperatures. get so hard and they, they soften up and grab in that cold weather. Exactly, exactly. So they, they recommend just putting them on when the weather gets cold, which it's getting there now. So I'm going to look at what I'm going to do with the five series if I uh, garage it or or, uh, or what. But yeah, there's a lot of good brands now. Michelin has the Ice X. Uh, Yokohama, like you said, has the Ice Guard. Um, I still think most people run the, the Bridgestone Blizzax that I think they just were the first one really big on the market, but they are. Yeah. And they still are. They're still super popular. Yeah. So that's why I went with them just because I knew the name and I know Bridgestone makes good tires. Yeah. Um, And I was super happy with those, but um, I might check out uh, what else is out there. Cause I know uh, a friend who has the Michelin ice X on their um, focus, the same generation ours was and uh, says that they work super well also mm, nice um yeah you're gonna have a lot more snow than we get over here though uh depth wise usually oh yeah i'm sure it's kind of it's been flirting with it a couple of times this week like i said it did snow monday this week but uh yeah it's i mean from everything we're seeing over here like they're saying it's supposed to be a bad winter but you know take that with a grain of snow <laughs> exactly uh, the other, the other white thing. The other white thing. Uh-huh. Um, have you ever, uh, you know, in Mexico, taken your, uh, like a Mustang out in the snow because it has bad grip and just, <laughs> uh, made, uh, concentric circles, uh, out in parking lots? Oh, many concentric circles and 11Zs were made in, uh, in Southern Mexico with the old Sixer. Yeah, that's that's how I learned to drive. Yeah. Uh, my the Cobra dad, has yet to see snow. The Focus got a little a little bit of uh, time in Mexico last year, but uh, it was only really one day. It was pretty light winter last year. Um, but yeah, the six was plenty of uh, plenty of opportunities to test out its black grip. I, I I learned to drive in the snow when I was fifteen. Uh, my dad. Uh, we had just gotten this truck uh, a few months before uh, from North Dakota. So we had seen its uh, share of snow, uh, but first big snow when they started shutting stuff down, uh, my dad took me to a, a parking lot and uh, he said, you're going to learn how to drift. Uh, and here's the idea behind that. For those who may not know um, the best way to keep yourself from crashing when you lose control is to lose control of your car on purpose in a, in an area where you can learn the muscle memory to correct. It's wanting um, to correct without overcorrecting. Exactly. So, I mean, I spent, we, we used up the snow uh, for about two days, nice. two separate days uh, in different parking lots, um, learning at different speeds and different, uh, you know, angles and different throttle positions using the brakes, not using the brakes, uh, getting the ABS to, to apply and learning with this truck and these tires, uh, uh, you know, what, what to expect when things go wrong. Uh, they do something or they used to out at Portland international raceway where they have Miatas that have like a cage around them. If you've seen this, they have little casters on the corners I hope so. I still want to do it. They have instructors that pull down on this lever that push these casters down onto the ground and actually unweights the car and puts you into a skid uh, to teach you exactly this, how to, how to respond in a, uh, in a terrible situation like that. Yeah. That's, that's my favorite part about, about winter. I mean, it's, it's bit me a couple of times in the past. I've had some light body damage on a truck from, um, <laughs> enthusiastic practice. Yeah. 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 Um, but you know, never, never been hurt. And you know, you learn from experiences like that. It's funny you mentioned um, Miata because I can hear my neighbor revving his Miata right now. Oh yeah. That's, 
you know, I like Miatas. I really do. But it makes it hard to own one, you know? <laughs> Make, there, especially, there are some cars that are like that. Yeah. Expect, revving it at 10 o'clock when my kids are trying to sleep is a little annoying. Yeah, that's another level uh, of uh, I'm less of a buffoon in my car just because um, I when I'm going through a town because I know, oh, they can hear me because from, you know, I'm kind of somewhat isolated up on a hill, but at night I can still hear um, uh, civics and uh, the, the uh, noisemakers. WRXs. Yeah, exactly. I can still hear them and they are miles away and I can still hear it reverberate through some of the valleys out here. And I'm like, oh, yeah. man, was that really me? Cause you can hear it through walls at, at some point. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad, I'm glad for I, my, for my parents sake that I never had exhaust cutouts on my old car. <laughs> oh yeah. Cause that's the real problem is the parents, the parents get it. And I know my parents probably got an earful from, uh, neighbors. Um, about me from, from time to time. I know they did. We talked about uh, Jeff getting me in trouble a long time ago. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's the thing is, is because you, you get it from the neighbors, like you're, you're filling the blank. I heard them. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do look forward to, to winter. I'm going to try and go out, do some snow wheeling this year. It's been a little while. Yeah. I'd, I'd um, like to, I'd like to take the focus out and uh, do something or another. Yeah, and that's the nice thing about being out in uh, in Boise is you don't have to go very far to get nowhere. Yeah, right. I'm pretty close on the south side here anyway, about five minutes from nowhere. You know what would be really fun in the snow? What's that? A segue like this one. <laughs> um, Points. So there's a company um, that what they've what they started doing is they, they started by restoring old H1 Hummers, which is super cool. Um, I am a fan. Uh, they're called Millspec Automotive, or MSA, out of Michigan. Uh, but the problem is they're running out of H1s because, you know, there's only so many of them around, right? Yeah. So they needed something else to do. So what's a natural, you know, uh, move from there you start making your own ford raptors basically Ooh. um so what they did is is they decided you know what we want to make like a raptor fighter but out of an f-150 and they wanted to differentiate it because otherwise you're just you know making the same car sure uh so to make theirs different they based it on the uh, the V8, the five liter Coyote, uh, as opposed to the three and a half liter twin turbo V6. Really, they that, took they uh, used the Coyote instead of the six two instead of the old Raptor motor. Yeah, because I'm not sure they still run that. Uh, I think they have a new six point eight that they use in the in the uh, full size truck, so I'm not sure they use the six two anymore. Mm, okay, uh, and even if they did, the six two is bigger, but it only had uh, you know the same numbers that the stock Coyote is putting out now. And it's a two valve transmission or sorry, excuse me, two valve heads in that. So it's kind of mm. heavy and, you know, it, it's big, but it didn't have the numbers behind Makes it. Makes sense then. So because cause the Coyote is on what the Gen 3 or Gen 4 of the Coyote now. I mean, exactly. They've been, yeah, it's 10 years old now yeah. um, from its first release. Um, Actually, 2010, I think, in the F-150 and 2011 in the in the uh, Mustang. So actually, 2010 model. So it's 11 years. Mm. Um, but they decided to use the the Coyote, which I think is a is a smart run for no other reason than uh, some people that want a Raptor still really want that V8 burble. Uh, you know, even if it's Me. the same. <laughs> exactly same qualitatively doesn't matter some people want that soundtrack which i don't blame people for um i do miss it sometimes and driving the five series i do i do enjoy it um but that that wasn't enough so of course they're going to do what everyone does uh right off the top uh they put uh 
high flow exhaust from AEM in it. Uh, and they put Borla exhaust on it. Um, and they, uh, um, they put a four inch exhaust on it and then they put a, a tune on it for, uh, premium fuel and they're running about 500 horsepower and 500 foot pounds of torque um out of that coyote now just by kind of freeing it up yeah they're looking at um uh kind of taking shots at the new ram also by throwing uh a supercharger kit on it oh there's endless opportunities there i mean You've got Kenny Bell's Whipples, Roush's, TBS's, all for the Coyote, and that's an easy bolt-on. Yeah, and they're, they're looking at um, Ford has one that they co-develop with Roush. All of this they're trying to keep pretty um, warranty-ish. Yeah. Um, but they're they're hoping for like 675 horsepower out of that. That's, a, that's decent. Which, yeah, that with, I mean, a, that with is, a warranty and that I'm sign me up. That's that's what I want right there. That's near Hellcat numbers in a uh, widened F one fifty. Yeah, um, yeah. So I mean, all the other stuff is kind of uh, to be expected. Um, you know, they'll uh, they'll throw some three seven three gears in it. And, uh, and the pictures, it just looks good too. Yeah, you should you should look it up. It, it definitely looks uh, like a modified F one fifty, but in the best kind of way. It also has uh, some oddly some like Ranger Wild Track vibes to it. It kind of does, yeah. It looks good in that magnetic color. And for suspension, they're using um, a company called uh, Brenthal Industries, which that they do Baja racing. That's that that's what they do. Um, so it gets like a new uh control arms and uh and stuff and makes increases the track uh 13 and a half inches 11 inches of wheel travel um so i mean these are still a bit short of uh raptor numbers but it's kind of it it is like i said don't just make another raptor they're differentiating it a little bit this is basically what everyone on um uh on forza would modify an f-150 to be like a raptor um i mean they're using a box springs um so the rear gets 12 inches of travel they're you know it's got 20 inch aluminum wheels on it um and uh, uh ridge grappler tires from nitto it's it's got all the um all the stuff checked off but like running 20s as opposed to the the 17s on a Raptor definitely, you know, shows you that it's, it's meant for different things. And I think it's more accurate for what these trucks are used for. If I can put it yeah. gently, they, uh, they do more, uh, inside and outside, you know, quarter panels, skid plates. Um, the reason I wanted to bring it up is cause it's, it's just good to see the aftermarket uh, coming back because uh, it was, you know, everyone shut down for a while and I, there just wasn't stories about um, stuff like this happening. And to see, to see this kind of stuff coming back is, is nice because with this, you're not beholden to the few things that Ford will offer. Like this company can um, build one of these mil spec F one fifties uh, out of basically any five liter super crew. Um, they can do an XL or they can do uh, a platinum, you know, uh, either, either way. So you can get it relatively cheap or you can grab a, a platinum that has all the bells and whistles and take it one place, have, have it all modified to be just to be this, this monster instead of just the three, you know, options that a, that a Raptor would give you. Yeah. I mean, it definitely comes at a pretty penny too. Yeah. The article I was reading, they, uh, they say that it'll top out at over 130,000. Yeah. If you got the, if you got a platinum with the mil spec package and the Baja package, yeah, you're at 130. 
Yeah, exactly. Like that's that's um, a truck right there. But I mean, if you if you start with like an XL or, or an STX trim or something where you're not so worried about the niceties, um, I bet you could get it uh, a lot you know, a lot lower, be a lot more competitive with, uh, with other stuff, whether that's what you want or not, um, stands to be, to be seen. It depends on, you know, we'll see what the numbers are on this, but as far as they're concerned, it's a, it's a bargain because they're used to selling near $300,000 Hummer H1, uh, restorations. So, um, it's just smart of them to, to reach out and, and do a, a different yeah. thing. Yeah, I mean, you're, you know, if you're looking at comparing it, you know, I think they directly compared it to the 2021 Ram TRX, you know, which is 70 to 90,000. I mean, if you got. Yeah. yeah, but that's got the Hellcat engine. Right. Right. But if you got, you know, this with an XL and threw the supercharger kit on it, you know, you'd be in it probably about 80. If I, the XL or the. Yeah, the XL currently is about 42 and a half. And then their package is 35. So you're at 77 right there. You know, mm-hmm. the supercharger kit on it, you know, you're at about, you're at about 80 and you're, you're fighting a Hellcat at that point. And that's pretty, pretty comparable. I mean, at, at the end of the day, you just got to decide if that number is right for that performance of a truck. Right. Um, those are, I mean, everything's from very reputable brands. Uh, so I wouldn't worry about, uh, any of that too much. Same. Um, also in the news, let's see what else is, is, uh, in the news. Um, the BRZ is being, uh, updated. I was not sure that that was going to, uh, survive to make, uh, you know, another generation. It's hard to keep sports cars around nowadays. I'm surprised. Are they, are they calling it a BRZ again? Or I thought they were, down to just the GT86. Uh, no, there's there's a 2022 uh, BRZ coming. Um, not everything is uh, is like for sure yet. Uh, it it kind of just dropped very suddenly. Um, uh, but it's supposed to be um, debuting this month, I guess. Uh, there was a tweet that dropped on uh, just today, um, this morning with a, a video on, on the Subaru's Twitter. Um, yeah, it'll be, it'll be good to see, uh, the sports car sticking around uh, a little bit longer. Yeah. I'm looking, looking through the photo album right now, but it's not, it's not bad looking. I mean, it's kind of a little, it's kind of got like a key of vibe to it. A little bit. I think everything's getting a little more squared up. Uh, I was looking at the new Hummer uh, earlier today, and um, I've been seeing the new Kia Optima uh, driving around, and everything's starting to go like these these uh, little square headlights. That I'm trying to think what supercar. I, I think it might have been the Rimic. It was something I saw these little, little square lights. These yeah. little square headlights, and uh, maybe it was the NSX. Um. But yeah, that's kind of been the new styling that's coming through, um, and and a lot of stuff is is more angular uh, and squared up, kind of almost uh, an '80s retro vibe. You want? Oh, speaking of retro, um, I hadn't seen much on this until recently. But have you seen the new McLaren Speedtail? No, I have not. Oh man, it is. It is long. It's like 17 feet long, but it's it's uh, a throwback to the old F1. It's got a the driver's seat is in the center, and then there's two seats kind of off to the side in the kind of the you want to call it the rear of it. But it is crazy spacey looking. Yeah, it doesn't look like it was something that they would actually they would actually make. But I guess that that's I guess kind of where I was going with uh with the new design of everything like the hummer's actually coming out looking like that and this speed tail is uh is just yeah it looks um looks like the uh xk220 yeah uh that they had it looks like the xk220 but going the other direction yeah but yeah super super long 
um you can tell that it's designed more for function oh for sure uh but i really love that long tail that the f1 had i mean this is this is part of the the much larger story of the uh the speed wars uh coming back it kind of is i mean Kevin McLaren's throwing out stops. Koenigsegg's throwing out stops. There's, I can't remember that, uh, the name of the, was it SSC that brought that new car out? Yeah. So let's, let's talk about the, uh, Tutasura. I wasn't even going to, I wasn't even going to try. That's what we're going to call it. Um, I hope that's not problematic to say. I just simply I just can't, can't. <laughs> uh, say the letters. Um, so this this was news um, before Halloween. Man, so there's a North American company called uh, SSC. Ooh, they've they've made uh, fast cars before, um, but their new one they claim to have a uh, world record run. They they claim to have reached an average top speed of three hundred and sixteen miles an hour. So the way that they test it is they they uh, you have to make a run down and a run back and average them. Uh, that way, there's no monkeying with tailwinds and headwinds and and uh, this and that. Uh, there's a lot of argument whether it was faked or not because this is. This is really fast. Yeah, this is really, really, you know, you're talking three sixteen, and I'm. <clears throat> what was the Koenigsegg record? I, I know it was more than that. I wanted to say it was three twenty or three thirty something, wasn't it? So yeah, in in early October, they recorded a one way top speed of three hundred thirty one, and a two way average of three hundred sixteen on a seven mile stretch of closed road outside of Las Vegas. So they claim to be beating the uh, Aguirre's uh, record, uh, which was set on the same highway in 2017. But they're saying that they beat it by 46 miles per hour. 46. This is, you know, this is at a time where these companies are saying that another two miles an hour is this momentous leap. And everyone's fighting. I mean, we've gone from 250 to... 256 that took the better part of a decade yeah so the agura rs uh in 2017 recorded an average speed of 278 miles an hour um on that same road in nevada so that's only 22 miles an hour faster than the uh the mclaren f1 which broke 250 or the, uh, no, that was the Bugatti Veyron. My bad. Uh, but the Veyron's held the crown for so long, hanging out around the, you know, right around 250. The Koenigsegg was already impressive uh, at uh, basically 278, 277.9, if you want to get technical. Um, so for this car to come out and from a, a small company, uh that doesn't have a lot of cars to its name and beat Koenigsegg by 46.6 miles an hour in top speed is it's significant is it's hard to hard to believe. Uh, but they did, they did hold a record in 2007 uh, with the, with the SS SSC arrow. Uh, that was the, uh, that was the fastest of its time, which it's the one that unseated the Veyron. If I if I'm remembering my uh, my numbers correctly, and uh, that used a, a Corvette engine in it, I believe. Hard to um, hard to believe 2007 feels like so long ago. Yeah, right. Yeah, that was um, and that was done at, at NASA. That's where they got they got that one. But they ended up the one that stuck. Uh, was 256 miles an hour uh, in uh, up in Washington. Um, that was going both directions. Um, and Guinness had verified that one uh, in October of 2007. So this is exactly 11 years later um, that they uh, that they had that. They had that till uh, July of 2010 when the Veyron did 267. 
which I believe then held it until uh, Koenigsegg. Yeah. Um, but you see, you see these, um, you know, every few years someone steps it up, but this is a lot, a lot bigger of a, of a jump. And I'm just not sure um, people are going to buy it until they have something a little more concrete. Um, some people uh, on Reddit have done some pretty specific math saying that it's not possible, but others have done similarly um, accurate sounding math uh, that makes it uh, more possible. Um, and I, they, they have, they have come out and said that they will, uh, they'll rerun the record in what they say is the very near future because right now it's hard to tell on any of that. Yeah. So they, they said we will have to rerun, uh, the record. Uh, we have to do it again. And it's in a way that'll be undeniable and irrefutable. Mm. Uh, and I am looking forward to, to that. Hopefully instead of, cause I know what they try to do. They try to do, Oh, we'll do this quietly and, and blow up the internet. And they did, but this time I think they need to have people there yeah. uh, who are watching and making sure, because this is the risk of doing a, a fun surprise like this. Yeah. Yeah. There's going to be a lot of doubt to it. Of Hey, look, we did a thing. Just so you know, everybody's going to be like, mm, did you though? I mean, they, they used the same GPS tracking system that they used for their ultimate arrow. Uh, and they, there were two independent officials on site. Um, I mean, I, I distinctly remember when this came out, we had talked about this and shortly after Konasek tweeted something out that, that basically refuted it saying, no, we still hold the record. Yeah. One of the biggest problems was they showed a video of going down and coming back, but they actually made three passes. And what the claims are is that one of the passes that they counted for speed they had a little bit of uh, buffeting from the side, some wind from the side, which caused the car to like cross over the lines, which didn't look good in video. So what they did is of the three runs, they used two um, for their numbers, but two, but one the same and one different for the video. Mm. So what people were able to do is mark, oh, when they crossed, when they passed this landmark, uh, they said they were traveling this speed, but to get to the next landmark at this time, the numbers didn't add up. Uh. Um, so yeah, the, the inconsistencies are just enough to, um, as SSC said themselves, kind of put a stain on the record. So they still say it's good, but they, they didn't have anyone from the GPS company there. Uh, and so it just all comes down to hard, hard to say. And they brought in Agura with them to kind of show they did the, the Agura did the run and then theirs did a run to show, Hey, look, ours is faster. But again, without more people there to verify that, uh, you know, all the black box stuff, the foot was really to the floor, um, in the Agura and, and all that. So I'll look forward to them clarifying this. Yep, with as I say, with the uh with the speed words rage on. Hey, if we do have a company come out with a street legal 331 mile per hour car, that's literally twice as fast as I think any of my cars will go. That's because three I mean, times one, the highest speed limit in North America. More than three times. Yeah. Yeah. That's I mean that's an incredible number it's i was hoping to be here when we passed 300 i was hoping to be alive when we passed 300 but if we leapfrog yeah <clears throat> uh over that quote-unquote magic number now a 200 mile an hour uh mustang or corvette is kind of like okay right fine. right who would have thought because again it it's not just a little more difficult excuse me when you start getting um up into those speeds, it's a lot more difficult to gain one or two mile an hour. Oh yeah, yeah. Weight and aerodynamics become huge where it's not so much on a Mustang at, you know, significantly yeah. lower speed. 
yeah, just the 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 physical weight and downforce of of the air passing over at 250 miles an hour is is incredible. Let alone um, not just over, but controlling airflow underneath as well as around the car. Oh yeah, just imagine if you got a little bit of lift. You mean we've seen what happens to F1 cars when their front splitter gets a little yeah, exactly. Up. And if you hit a coyote at 300 miles an hour, well, you got big problems. While a coyote better have there's going to be some acne stuff happening i would definitely uh recommend people doing a deep dive on on uh the speed wars um the the math is um is impressive to me um it's impressive so um i think that's about it uh for what i had for today um is there anything you would like to uh specifically uh touch on um you know i think we hit a good bit i think we could uh we could probably call that an episode uh i think we probably can i believe we're up to 29 uh of these now um and uh looking forward to uh jeff being back with us soonish indeed we'll uh we'll just keep doing these until we don't want to anymore um Thanks for coming on, Andy. Yeah, as always, uh, happy to be here. Everyone, of course, is welcome to uh, reach out on our uh, Garage Night Instagram or uh, the website, tinydogpodcast.com. Of course, uh, if you like video games, we still have uh, just another side quest going um, opposite weeks uh, from this show here on the network. Again, ratings, reviews on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you like to use are uh, the best way to support us. Yeah, that's 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 about it. So without further ado, we're going to go ahead and uh, say goodnight. Good night, everybody. listening to the garage night podcast a special thanks for jeff tracy and annie tamlin for joining the show this week until next week keep turning wrenches